0: You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hi, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us. It is always busy for those of us battling corruption here in Washington, D.C. Sure enough, we were in federal court this week. Judicial Watch's team was to try to get documents out of a recalcitrant FBI that's been stonewalling and trying to protect the corruption within its own ranks also, some big news in the James Comey front. The Department of Justice evidently has given him given him a pass, even as Judicial Watch has uncovered extraordinary new documents further confirming his criminality and the corrupt basis of the Mueller Special Counsel operation. Uh, so a lot to talk about, uh, and a lot of important news to talk about because you know, these are the issues that we're going to be confronting over the next year plus. It was about how to handle the deep state uh, corruption uh, that so abused our system, so attacked our republic in targeting then uh, candidate Trump and uh, President Trump. Uh, and President Trump obviously has been cleared of collusion. There was never any collusion. And he's been cleared of obstruction which was the fake crime they tried to manufacture once they quickly realized, or they knew from the get-go there was no collusion, so they tried to manufacture a fake crime of obstruction. That went nowhere. Uh, So the question is, what's gonna be done about the corrupt players that abuse their powers to target President Trump and other innocents? And uh, one of the most corrupt of those players, in my view, is, is former FBI Director James Comey, who was rightly fired by President Trump in 2017. Now, uh, Pres- Mr. Comey was an anti-Trumper, it was pretty clear. And uh, after he was fired, he uh, his anti-Trumpism reached a fever pitch. And it got so bad that he used memos that were his, that were the FBI's, essentially President Trump's FBI files, he leaked them through a friend to the New York Times with the express hope, meaning he said this is why he leaked it, to get a special counsel appointed to target President Trump. Sure enough, a special counsel was appointed by the Justice Department, Rod Rosenstein, Caved and appointed a special counsel, uh, thanks to these Comey memos being leaked. And the special counsel was Robert Mueller. We all know how that turned out. And Mueller is a friend of James Comey's. You know what was interesting about the Mueller hearing recently? Because the left would have you believe that it was a big lie and conspiracy theory that James Comey and Robert Mueller weren't really friends. They may work with each other over the years and been professional colleagues, but they weren't friends. Mueller testified, yes, he was a friend of his. So uh, uh, just remember that fact. So you have this corrupt leaking, theft of documents, it can be argued, leaking of documents. Turns out some of the documents he leaked were almost certainly classified to get Trump through this special counsel appointment. So all of this confirms the special counsel is, uh, was and is built on this foundation of corruption. And I've always said, once Mueller learned that this leaking led to his appointment, that was a big test for him in my book. Because if I, I tell you, if it were me, and I found out that there was this arguably criminal act uh, that was calculated to get my get me my position, I would be like, whoa, you know what, you find some other patsy to do your dirty work for you. I'm not doing it, I'm washing my hands of it. But of course, Mueller was an anti-Trumper too, it's pretty clear, and he was willing to uh, take the corrupt baton handed to him by Comey and harass the president for the next year and a half. So Judicial Watch has been uh, suing in federal court to get access to documents about this uh, Comey corruption, the memos and the handling of them and and such. And we've just found and we have received six pages of documents showing that the FBI went over to his home to get government documents, specifically these memos, some of which it looks like were classified. And during the visit, this visit occurred a month after he was fired, so it was June 7th. uh, Comey described to him the the memos, uh, said uh, there were memos that were not there that they did not have either at the FBI or he didn't have. But he didn't talk about his leaking of the memos. This is important because when you're not candid with the FBI, you can run into criminal liability. And what I wanna do is I wanna read the extraordinary FBI documents we receive. So this is, I don't know if you can see any of this. So this is usually how we get our documents. There's a cover letter, Uh, they send a letter, it's two pages telling you why they're withholding material and in this case they withheld material uh, on national security grounds and, um, and then they did give you all of the, um, all the notices and descriptions of the exemptions and why they're being withheld. So it's a lot of cover work. And then there are these six pages of FBI documents we received. And uh, because it's a judicial watch video and we're not constrained by time, I'm going to read you the documents because you would never otherwise learn about the details of the FBI interview slash criminal investigation. I call it a soft raid on James Comey's home. No guns drawn because he's, you know, he's an anti-Trumper. So there he's protected. The first document. Federal Bureau of Investigation collected item log. I'm gonna put on my disguise here. It's dated June, June 8th, 2017. So this is the day, it looks like the day after uh, he uh, was interviewed. On June 7th, at approximately 10.15 a.m., Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, special agents, and they redact the names of the special agents. I'd like to know their names but that's another fight, collected four memorandums, memos, as evidence from James Comey at his residence at, and then they redact his address, the memos collected are described as follows. One memo dated February 14, 2017, two pages. One memo dated March... 30th, 2017, two pages, one memo dated April 11th, 2017, one page, one memo last night at 8, 6.30 p.m., four pages. So so that can be either it was written last night at 6.30 p.m. or it was written in another day and the only notation is last night at 6.30 p.m. And so it's collected. And uh, the documents were um, then put in, I guess, their evidence box or whatever they want to call it. Next up is this document, Federal Bureau of Investigation documents, dated uh, June 16th, so it's about a week after the meeting. And... uh, is it called a 302? Yeah, so this is a 302. And a 302 is a, is a narrative report created by FBI agents to describe interviews and investigative interviews they have with witnesses and subjects. And I tell you what, in all of the history of the FBI, you won't find many documents that, that relate to an FBI 302 of a former FBI director. It just doesn't happen. It just shows you the level of corruption that Comey was involved in, that he was the subject of an FBI interview. Former FBI Director James Comey was interviewed at his residence at, again, Redacted. This interview was scheduled in advance, so they gave him a heads up. For the purpose of providing certain classified memoranda, memos, to Comey for review, After being advised that the identity of the interviewing agents and the nature of the interview, Comey provided the following information. After reviewing the memos, Comey spontaneously stated, to the best of his recollection, two were missing. In the first occurrence, Comey said at an unknown date and time between January 1, 2017, which Comey believed was the date of his briefing at the Trump Tower, and Trump's inauguration on January 20th, 2017, Comey received a phone call from President-elect Donald J. Trump, the originating telephone number may have been the New York area code. Following the telephone conversation, Comey drafted and emailed a memo to James Rubicki, top deputy at the FBI, and FBI Deputy Director Andrew McKay. In the second instance, Comey was on his way to an FBI leadership conference in Leesburg, Virginia, March 9, 2017, When he was diverted to Liberty crossing to respond to a request from Trump to contact him, Comey was, uh, contact him. Comey contacted Trump from Liberty crossing on a top secret telephone line. The conversation was all business quotes, all business and related to blank. And that's a B-5 exemption, which is a docu- which is material about uh, pre-decisional, so it's internal communications. Uh, Comey is less, uh, less sure he drafted a memo for this conversation, but if he did, it may have sent it on the FBI's top secret network. Comey observed that the second page of the memo, dated March 30, 2017, had the incorrect banner, lying classification of secret non foreign, meaning non no foreign dissemination, rather than unclassified uh F-O, FOUO at the top and bottom of the second page. During the interview, at approximately ten fifteen AM, Comey voluntarily provided the interviewing agents four memos. Comey had these memos in his possession when he met interviewing agents The memos collected are described as follows, and these are the memos I talked about uh, earlier. Comey signed an FBI 597 receipt for property, a copy of the FD 597, oh, that's not, we didn't get that document, is, uh, was left with Comey. The original, the memos reviewed by Comey and interview notes will be maintained in the 1A section of this case file. The memos provided to Comey for his review had previously been modified to include portion markings, banner lines, and classification authority blocks. After being collected from Comey, the memos were locked securely in a special services administration approved safe located in the FBI headquarters, which is at 935 Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, Washington D.C. at approximately 2 p.m. the same day. So they took him back and put him in a safe. On Friday, June 9th, the memos were transported and entered into evidence at the FBI Washington Field Office Evidence Control Center. And then here are the notes. Oh wait, we did get the uh, the form 97. Yeah, James Comey signed over the documents here that he should never have had to begin with. So this is all very interesting because you have the FBI going to interview Comey about these classified documents, and um, it sounds to me like uh, this was some sort of uh, spill team, which is a classified, uh, which is what happens when you an agency gets an inkling that classified information has been uh, placed or uh, uh, may have been accessed improperly. So if classified information, quote, spills into unsecure areas, uh, they investigate it. And it sounds to me like Comey was under investigation here. Sure enough, there's a report out this week, it's been confirmed, uh, John Solomon of the Hill first reported it, it's been confirmed by Fox News, that the Inspector General of the Justice Department has investigated Comey's mishandling of classified data uh, it related to these memos, his handling of the memos, and, and things like that. And the conclusions, reportedly, and I haven't seen the IG report, no one has, at least publicly, uh, and it's not out there publicly yet, is that Comey improperly took the files, uh, he improperly leaked them, the leak included classified information, and he wasn't candid with the FBI agents. Because you'll see in this interview, he doesn't mention that he was sharing these memos or leaking them. It wasn't until the next day that he told Congress that he had done this. So they call, talk about lack of candor. And you know what lack of candor means? It means lying. And you can lie directly, or you can lie through omission. And uh, I haven't seen the report, so I don't know what they mean by lack of candor, but when you have, no, when you have lack of candor with an FBI agent, you can be subject to prosecution. Ask General Flynn how that worked out for him. Ask George Papadopoulos how that worked out for him. So others have been prosecuted for this. And sure enough, according to these published reports, the Inspector General of the Justice Department referred for criminal prosecution James Comey based on his findings in the mishandling of of, um, Mr. Trump's FBI files. Yeah, and and by the way, these were Trump's FBI files. When you write a memo about a conversation with someone for use of the FBI in an investigation and to keep it for the record, that's someone's FBI file. If if he had had a conversation with me and um, someone else asked for it, they'd say, no, you can't have Tom Fitton's FBI file. It's private. And because it is private, because it is confidential, because it is used in investigations, and because it is sensitive, because it documents allegedly conversations with the President of the United States, you can't use it for your personal use. And you gotta keep it secure, especially when it contains classified information as these documents show they did. And you certainly can't leak them. keep them at your house. So it's no surprise the IG made some type of criminal referral. The surprise is that the Justice Department run now by Attorney General Barr has declined to pursue this criminal referral. I don't know about you but I think that's pretty bad. I don't know the exact reasons for doing so. Supposedly, the language is they said it wasn't even a close call, as whether they pursue it. And I see language that he did quote, didn't have the intent. The intent when he improperly disclosed classified information. That's the Hillary card. Remember that? The laws protecting the, uh, the classified information. There's a, there's a negligence standard. I think it's gross negligence. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. It it doesn't include intent. If it did, you wouldn't have, be able to protect any classified information. Because anyone could walk out the door of classified information, be reading it at the local Starbucks, leave it on the bus, leave it in their car. But because they didn't have the intent to disclose it, there'd be no way, no way to make sure it's been secured. Or, or it's kept secured. And they're also saying, well, it wasn't marked classified until they got the documents back, and they looked at it, and they marked it classified. Well, that's not the law either. That's, that's irrelevant, because documents are either classified or not irrelevant of the markings. And as a, uh, an original classification authority, I think the phrase is, as the head of the FBI, his job is to make sure that documents that are classified are secured, whether or not they're marked, because we pay them to recognize classified information. And certainly conversations with the president about sensitive matters to me are presumptively classified. And I guarantee you, and I haven't looked at the memos that have been public yet. I mean, I haven't looked at them recently, but you know, based on prior experience, I guarantee you that the FBI underclassified these memos to protect Comey further. So if that's the thinking behind the Bar Justice Department's decision not to prosecute uh, Comey, so that that means that the the Clinton way is been incorporated into current Justice Department thinking. Now, defenders of this decision say, well, you know, they couldn't do, make the case here, and, it do, and, and don't worry, something big's coming down the pike. I don't buy it, I don't buy it. I'm hopeful something big's coming down the pike. I don't know what that big thing is. Now, I know uh, Mr. Durham, the U.S. Attorney from Connecticut, and uh, General Barr are very interested in pursuing these issues. Every time Barr talks about this issue, publicly at least, Uh, It's reassuring, at least to me, because he certainly demonstrates an understanding of the grave issues at stake in figuring out what went on with this abuse of the president. But to give a pass to James Comey on his criminal victimization of President Trump is, um, I don't see any good thing. I, I can't think of any good thing to say about it. I mean, giving them the benefit of the doubt, there's explanations I don't know about, I haven't seen the IG report, but based on the facts and circumstances I'm aware of, uh, the idea that the FBI director could take someone's FBI files, leak them, get a special counsel appointed who is abusive and a friend of his, lie to FBI agents, quote, with lack of candor, Keep this stuff at his home improperly, share classified information illegally, and they decide they don't want to prosecute that because they got bigger fishes, uh, bigger cases to pursue. You know, it seems to me that when you have someone admit they leak information that turns out to be classified, that that's the very definition of gross negligence required in the statute. And if they're going to do that, and if they're going to give him a pass on that. I don't see how they're gonna be able to come up with a more complicated legal theory and a more challenging legal theory to prosecute anyone on the illegal spying, the dishonesty with the FISA courts, and all the other various issues associated with Spygate. Because it may look terribly illegal to you, but under this sort of narrow legal thinking they won't be able to do anything or they will choose to do nothing because there'll be all sorts of excuses that will make this decision not to prosecute comey seem common sense because just think about it, just think about it from the defense counsel's point of view and this is what the lawyers in the deep state will be arguing we can't go after comey we can't go after John Brennan. We can't go after these uh, guys who were spying from the FBI on the candidate Trump. They thought the Russians were trying to interfere with the elections. They thought that Trump was in collusion with them. And we can't try to put them in jail over their discretionary deployment of intelligence resources to protect the country from Russian interference on our elections. Do you see what I mean in terms of it being a complicated case in light of that type of discussion? Now, I think all of that falls apart upon analysis. But I'm concerned that there's some willing ears in the Justice Department when faced with that type of analysis, and they'll just say, you're right. Remember, the challenge here, and it's, uh, it's kind of, exhibit, this is Exhibit A. You're asking the Justice Department to prosecute itself. An attorney general Barr could be the greatest man in the world, but the whole system is geared to stopping that from happening. Let alone CIA officials or State Department officials, or, I mean, the fact that Peter Strzok is still walking around to me tells you is a bad sign. So, I mean, does it mean we should lose all hope? No, 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 no. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, and I think that this decision not to prosecute Comey can be reversed. I think the American people should let their views known about this. It doesn't mean that the mob rules. But the public interest demands that the Justice Department take this crime more seriously. Because the implication in defending this decision out of the Justice Department is this is low rent stuff. I don't consider it to be low rent, do you? Stealing President Trump's FBI files and leaking them to get a harassing special counsel against him to try to throw him out of the presidency? I consider that a pretty big deal. Mishandling classified information in order to get him. And I tell you what, when you tie this misconduct Whatever the prosecute, you know, irrespective of the prosecution decision now, you've got this IG report that calls it misconduct. When you tie it up with the other actions that Comey took in terms of his decision making to spy on a presidential campaign, mislead the FISA courts, to put it charitably, it's all part of a piece. I, I would make this all part of the case. So I don't like the decision. I think it's reversible, and I think it almost will have to be cons- reconsidered if they truly are serious about pursuing Comey. And I know you're frustrated. I'm frustrated, too. I'm, I don't break stuff when I'm uh, here, but I, you know, I know what you mean. It's frustrating. But all we can do is what we can do. The Justice Department is what it is, and I tell you, that's why we have Judicial Watch. Because the Justice Department, even if it wants to do the right thing, the good guys there just don't do it. Or what may seem like the right thing just literally can't be done for legal reasons that only lawyers will pretend to understand. And this is why it's important to have Judicial Watch Doing the heavy lifting that we do, dozens of lawsuits. We get this information on Comey's misconduct from the FBI, showing that he was a su- that they had to go to his house to talk about the mishandling and classifying information. They're in the middle of the interview. He shows up. He shows up. Well, I've got these other memos. You want them too? This document shows the FBI was negligent, to put it mildly, in maintaining the security of President Trump's sensitive FBI files that are protected by law, that Comey was malicious in taking them, dishonest in not telling the FBI about them, and certainly, based on the IG report and everything we know about the rule of law, committed a crime in leaking them, and that the whole special counsel operation is compromised as a result of the links to Comey. That came out not because of the Justice Department, not because of Congress, but because of Judicial Watch's litigation. So the Justice Department's going to do what it does, or it's not going to do what it should do. Whatever happens, Judicial Watch is always going to try to get the truth and accountability with the tools that we have available to us under our glorious Constitution and under our legal system. So this week, Judicial Watch uncovered a crime while the DOJ evidently is trying to cover it up. And so I'm happy to be working at Judicial Watch. Frustrating DOJ doesn't do its job, but that's not new, is it? And I can't predict the future, but I, I've been using this line often. You know, you've heard on the radio, I'm sure, commercials or on television, commercials for, for financial products where they say, invest in this, invest in that. You should buy this financial product. And always at the end of the commercial, there's this warning. And you you've probably see them on materials for financial services or investment um, opportunities. Past results is not an indication of future performance. Doesn't guarantee future performance. And I think that's pretty good advice for investing, don't you think? Just because a stock did well in the past doesn't mean it's going to do well in the future. It's no guarantee. But it's a pretty, it's actually the opposite for politics. Past performance is an indication of future results. So what's happened in the past in politics often will just continue to happen, and uh, Trump is such a uh, is so hated by the deep state because he's an X factor who can break that cycle. He fired Comey, for instance. You would you know that would never have been thought. Uh, that, you know, no no regular Republican would have ever dared fire Comey. But Trump saw a corrupt FBI director who was corruptly protecting Hillary Clinton, being dishonest with him, and he fired him. And then you have the X factor of judicial watch, who's getting this information out to bring public pressure to bear on our uh, elected and appointed officials to do their jobs. And if they don't do their jobs, at least the documents we have out there confirm uh, and get better account—confirm the truth, further the truth, and give us an element of accountability that otherwise would never have existed. You know, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary this week. And, uh, and this, is, this is why our, our work—this is why we've been around for 25 years, and we'll be around for 25 more. because our work is so essential and and so unique in our system. And uh, while I'm on that ma- on that point, uh, we were gratified that the president recognized our work in a uh, tweet this week. Um, our official anniversary date is July 29th. So this is our 25th. We're now into our 26th year, I guess, technically. And he uh, tweeted out, we had a little picture of a, a a cake on our, twi- our Twitter feed and he retweeted it and he said, it is his 25th anniversary of a great X and, in and, and, and capitals organization run by people who truly love our country, Judicial Watch. On behalf of all Americans, I thank them. And then he tweeted out my Twitter handle at uh, Tom Fitton. That's wonderful. And I you know that, that's so gratifying to my colleagues here at Judicial Watch. And I hope it's gratifying to your supporter, to those of you who are supporting us out there to get this recognition from the president about our great work. And it is, and we do do the work because we love our country. We want our system to be as great as our country is. We want our politicians to be as honest. People have died to protect our freedoms and our legacy shouldn't be frittered away by corrupt politicians. And our and our and our and, and our freedoms uh, should not be subject to the whims of bureaucrats who think they're above the law. So that's a um, a great a great piece of recognition from uh, President Trump. My guess is he's not too happy about this decision not to prosecute Comey. <clears throat> so we are. Uh, been doing this for 25 years. One of the things we do almost on a weekly basis is we go into federal court because we have dozens, I think we have almost 100 active lawsuits right now. And we've filed probably over 500 by uh, now in terms of the organizational life of our organization. So that means we're in court a lot. And one of the most corrupt officials at the FBI, at least in recent weeks, uh, recent years, is are these uh, Peter, Lisa Page and Peter Strzok. The FBI lovers who were senior officials at the FBI who were anti-Trump activists and pro-Hillary Clinton activists. They were involved, uh, Peter Strzok specifically, was running the Clinton investigation as a senior intelligence official for the FBI. And then he was running the Russia investigation for Mueller until Mueller secretly fired him after these texts were uncovered by the IG showing these uh, communications between Page and Strzok showing the affair and the anti-Trump bias where they talk about having an insurance policy in case Trump was elected. Just confirming the fundamental corruption of the entire targeting of President Trump. So needless to say, Judicial Watch has been asking for the text messages and all the email communications between Peter Page uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. And what has happened is we sued in, when did we sue? We sued in, la- we sued it, uh, last year. We asked for them in January, I think we sued in the middle of last year. And in May, the court ordered they start producing the records to us. And they've been producing them to us, at a, they, the, the, no, hold on. They've been processing the records at a, at a rate of 500 pages a month which is absurd, it's absolutely absurd. So that means we've only received or processed 6,000 records, 6,000 of 20,000. So there are 13,000 more pages of records that have to be processed, which means they, the government, the, the, the corrupted FBI that is slow walking this information, wants up to 26 months to turn them all over to us. Well into the next term of the next president, whoever that person may be, whether Trump was reelected or not, I don't know. And the judge in this case um, kind of saw a report about this in one of the briefings that we gave to the judge earlier this month, and he ordered a quick hearing last week, or excuse me, this week, and my colleagues and I went over, and this is what happens. I go over there, and I'm the client, I'm president of Judicial Watch, I'm a, corporate officer. So I, I show up representing Judicial Watch as the client. We have a Judicial Watch attorney who is arguing on our behalf in court. In this case, it was Michael Pakesha. And um, so I just I just sit there and try not to cause problems. But as you might imagine, I sit there and I simmer as I see the federal government get up there and say, there's no way we can speed up this request. It's Judicial Watch's request was too broad. It wasn't. And if we give Judicial Watch more documents, it means someone else may not get all the documents they deserve. Which is just bunk as well. The FBI has decided they will deploy, they they will deploy not one more piece of, not one more additional resource to get these key documents out. And in my view, the court should order them You've got to get these documents out in a reasonable time frame. What does FOIA mean if it takes three years, four years, to get basic information? And don't tell me you don't have the resources. The government has infinite resources. I don't mean that literally. Practically speaking, they can devote whatever is necessary to get these documents out with no impairment of the, of the agency's functioning. But they don't want to do that. Because I tell you what, because they know these documents contain smoking gun information. Because the documents they've released to us thus far show the FBI was colluding with the Clinton campaign's lawyers on Russia and the Clinton email issue. They show they had key information about the crimes Clinton committed and a listing of the chart of her crimes, and they wanted to cover that chart up. That's just one, that's only one portion of the materials we've already found. And then, of course, you've got the craziness with Peter, uh, with, uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, their affair, which, which further compromised the Clinton email and Russian investigations. Lisa Page was a senior lawyer working for Andrew McCabe as an advisor. Peter Strzok was a senior counterintelligence official. Sometimes they needed approval and collaboration to get things done. All of that was compromised because of this improper personal relationship. Lisa Page is a lawyer. I don't know if Strzok is a lawyer or not. How could she be giving advice both to her bosses and as an FBI official generally, in a disinterested way related to anything related to her boyfriend. Sure enough, they're producing 500, They're processing 500 pages a month, and we're only getting a small portion of those pages. So they process the records and hide bunch, most of them, 43% of the records I think, either in one production or generally, are, quote, personal messages between struck and page so here we have the fbi covering up i don't know about you do you spend do you at work do you spend half your time sending personal communications to your colleagues i hope not i got some of my colleagues here i hope they're not doing that <laughs> but obviously you don't do that And the FBI is covering all that up because we can't get it because it's personal. No, that's evidence of personal corruption, not personal stuff. So what happened at the court here? And so I'm sitting there listening to this and the court says, well, I don't want to get in the way of other judges. And he says, well, you know, judicial watch, maybe you can figure out a way to narrow your request. It was already narrow, so I didn't say anything, but the court's going to rule the way the court does. And they said, negotiate. You start talking to your. Uh, he wanted the parties to negotiate a solution to try to get the key documents we want about Russia and Clinton and other things. We want everything, obviously, so that we could get them more quickly. So we'll see what the FBI does. But if I were the president, I would see that this FBI wants to take two years to release only thirteen thousand pages of documents, and well, he won't. They won't release them all. This is just processing. I'd order him to say, I want you to release him in a month. And if Director Ray were serious about the corruption in his ranks that has destroyed the reputation of the FBI, he'd want it all out too. So a lot of people go and talk about what this corruption. Judicial Watch is actually in court fighting it and pressing the Justice Department pressing the FBI to get this information out and we get the information out and it causes reactions in Congress for more information it changes public opinion it changes the course of history I said it once and I'll say it again thank God for Judicial Watch I don't know what the country would do without us I don't say that because I'm president of Judicial Watch I say it because as an American citizen I see the results of our extraordinary work. So I encourage you, if you're not already supporting Judicial Watch, to support our work. You can go to our website at judicialwatch.org, it's judicialwatchoneword.org, and uh, support our work. You can give us a donation, in the least. You can uh, learn more about what we're doing and share what's going on. Next week, we got more documents coming out. Bruce Orr, the conflicted Justice Department official whose wife worked at Fusion GPS, and he's their liaison for the FBI and Justice Department in the Get Trump effort, conflicted up the wazoo. And there are these series of FBI interview reports, these 302s, with, Peter, with, uh, with Bruce Orr about his communications with the Clinton gang at Fusion GPS that have been withheld for well over a year plus. Congress is one of them. Everyone's wanted them. Judicial Watch is getting them next week. They were supposed to come to us on Monday. They just asked for more time. So the middle of the week. So we'll see what's released. Maybe they won't give us anything. Maybe they say, here are all the documents. They're all blacked out. But I, I think we're going to get something substantial. So we keep on pushing along. It's a Herculean effort. I tell you that. Our lawyers are always dealing with the government, trying to extract the information that they don't want to give us. But we need to speed this along. And if Attorney General Barr is gonna prosecute James Comey, then he needs to get these documents out to expose the truth about what went on. Public disclosure will help build pressure for full accountability. And it's the job of the Justice Department to ensure the law is followed. And one of the laws that need to be followed is the Freedom of Information Act. And it isn't being followed now. But you can trust Judicial Watch to keep on enforcing it as best we're able to through the courts. So have a great week. I'll see you next time here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's Weekly Update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.